BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today, we're talking about investment properties. Yeah, that's right. So we're going to be talking about investment properties today. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. We each have a few and we've got some thoughts. We've been doing it now for uh, for quite a few years. And I think we got a lot of information to share with the listeners out there uh, about how we've done things, kind of the ways that we've, I feel like, had successes with rental properties and, and maybe some of the ways that we haven't done it as well as we had hoped. But quickly, let's talk about really, uh, people want to know about our cover photo and how they came about. And there's one lingering question that I've gotten from a bunch of listeners already. Matt, you've talked about working from home, but nobody knows what you do. It's kind of fun. We, we got Kate, my wife, to take our photo, our goofy photo, but it's, it's good. Kate and I are photographers. We, we've been photographers for the past 10 years and she, she stays at home now with the kids, but is still uh, a talented photographer. So that's what I still do, though. Primarily weddings, because weddings are just way better than anything else. <laughs> why, do you say, why do you say that? It's more fun. You get to deal with folks that are having a blast, as opposed to say headshots, maybe of you know of a co- some company or something like that. We were sitting in an office. Weddings are just jam full of uh, fun and action and activity. You're basically going to a party every other Saturday. Yeah, exactly. And just I love it. Documenting it. Mm-hmm. So that people can have smiling, yeah, picture proof for the rest of their life. Smiling all day, enjoying myself, man. It's awesome. Seriously. Yeah. It's, it's the best. So now everyone knows the secret's out. You're a wedding photographer because you'd alluded a few times to being uh, 
to working from home. Yeah. And so people are like, well, what is this? Well, I work from home. That's my, so my day job. Folks are like, oh yeah, you get to party every other weekend. Right. Like you said, but then Monday through Friday are, that's, that's emails, editing, the post-processing phone calls, meeting up with folks in person as well. All that kind of stuff. Running a small business. That's a thing. Yeah. Some people... Taxes, insurance, yeah. all yeah, all that action. There's a lot more to it. Anybody can kind of be a photographer <laughs> maybe for a year or two, but then when it comes to taxes and really taxes and insurance are the, are the big things that start to gum things up a little bit. And folks are like, oh, I don't know if I want to keep doing this because this is more complicated than I thought. Yeah, that's. I think that's the interesting thing because I'm friends with a few photographers and I've found out through the years you certainly have to have that artistic sense, right? To be able to make it at all. As yeah, first and foremost, right? You have to have that. But to add to that, and almost just as important, you have to be able to run a business. You have to learn and, and want to know how to run a business well. And if you can't do that, that artistic side is... Yeah. Uh, it, it, if you're going to have your own small business like you do, obviously you can be a photographer for someone else and... Uh, and, and or just have enjoy that. it as a hobby even, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But if, if but you, you have to know how to run that business and yeah. there's a lot involved with that. Yeah. And you got to, I mean, you, you need to want to know how to do that. And that's, I think that's one of the things that fits me so well is I just love, I mean, I literally love doing, <laughs> doing corporate taxes, like all the boring stuff that literally goes into like the admin side, like the back end of working on the website, all that kind of stuff, man. I love it. Which I, is, I love building the thing from the ground up. It's just, it's a blast. Which is why we're a perfect fit. Uh, <laughs> to do this, to this you, podcast yeah, together you that crap. and to go to you guys go to poor not poor.com and you'll see you know matt did a lot of the does a lot of the images does a lot of some of the background work and um i'm kind of tackling some of those some of those other things some of the 100 percent of the audio is, yeah 100 uh, <laughs> percent of the audio editing because that's that's where that's what i'm into and what i know you, well you make us sound good and I'm, i make us look good joel <laughs> So it's great. Our, our, the things that we're good at balance each other out well and the things that we enjoy. And I think if you've listened to the first few podcasts here, you might have already kind of gotten an inkling of that. So yeah. on Poor Not Poor podcast, we drink a different beer every week. So we're going to get into talking about investment properties in just a second. But first, yeah, it's gonna be great. let's talk about this beer. Yeah, man. What would what, what, you bring for us today? All right. So today I brought the beer and it is called Scatterbrain. It's an IPA from a brewery called Bearded Iris Brewing out of Nashville, Tennessee. Sadly, I haven't been able to visit the brewery yet, but my mom was up there for a conference. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, hey, mom, I'm, I'm going to need you to go pick up some Bearded Iris beers for me while you're there. I'm going to need you to do this for <laughs> me, please. <laughs> if you could, please. I asked nicely. Uh, and you also like toss her your laundry as well. Like, yeah, also, yeah. could you uh, do my laundry? She's like, you're 33, son. I'll get your beer, but I'm not doing your laundry. And so uh, mom was kind enough to bring back uh, two four packs of Bearded Iris beer for me. They, they specialize in IPAs. I think they've Thanks, done mom. a couple other things, but like literally they'll have like seven IPAs on draft that are just different IPAs. Dang. That's what they do. So they know what they're doing. And uh, I will tell this interesting story. First off, how do you feel about your mom or uh, someone close to you being a beer mule for you? Because that's what they call them when you, when you send someone out to get beer for you in another state or another location. You're well, a beer mule. Yeah, but by that definition, I have been a beer mule for you. That's <laughs> true. You have. You have. Well, we brought back some uh, uh, Bissell Brothers and uh, Trillium. Yeah, Trillium out of Boston. Couldn't think of them. Uh, yeah, man. But that was absolutely worth that check bag from yes. <laughs> from Boston. Holy cow! That's the, I will say. I do it all over again just to get that beer. The only way I'll check a bag 
is for beer. Yeah. That's the only time I'll ever check a bag like is 20 for bucks, beer. 25 bucks and j- to get some amazing stuff that you're not going to be able to get well, at no. least in our state in Georgia. Yeah. So we, well, no, it's, yeah, I mean, Bissell brothers and nor Trillium, neither, neither of them distribute right at all. Yeah. yeah. And so, so actually literally the only way you can get that beer. When I went to Amsterdam one time, I brought back, I believe I brought back 37 beers <laughs> across a couple bags, uh, check bags. That's a lot of beer. And it was so worth it. I was just drinking. It just reminded me of the trip for... I still have one bottle left that's just chilling. Cantillon? A bottle of Cantillon yeah. just chilling for me. <laughs> so, because uh, it lasts 20 years, I believe. Those those that's gooses, you, you can have them on your shelf for 20 years and eventually drink them. All right. So, oh, I want to tell you real quick story about my mom getting the beer. Oh, So, yeah. she went to the brewery with some of her coworkers because she was there for a conference. And... She shows up at the brewery and it looks like it's closed apparently. So she walks up to the door and takes a selfie because she just wants to prove to me that she actually went even though it was closed. Oh, <laughs> instead of being like, sorry, couldn't go. They're closed. Yeah. yeah okay. She was going to text me the picture and I guess there's this window. There's this window and people are, everyone's staring at her as she's taking a picture. <laughs> everyone inside the brewery is staring at her while she's taking this picture and her friends are like, uh, Cheryl, <laughs> pretty sure they're open there's a bunch of people in there looking at you while you're taking the selfie and so she went in there and she asked the bartender uh yeah excuse me do you sell beer here oh my god <laughs> the bartender kind of looks at her like yeah yes ma'am that's do, actually yeah, yeah do you know where you are <laughs> in fact that's all we sell in fact that's what we do here we sell beer and beer alone all right so the beer is scattered yeah, let's, talk about, let's talk about the beer because we got a lot of real estate to talk about too it's an ipa let's crack it Nice. Yeah, this can is it's one of those almost all silver cans. I like how breweries are doing that because the way that they're a lot of breweries are brewing a lot of different stuff and so they're not dedicating an entire new label necessarily to each beer. Yeah, they can just so wrap kinda, yeah, kind of slapping on a new label with kind of the standard can, uh like a silver tall silver can. So, I like that. Anytime I see that I'm like, "Oh, it must be good." So <laughs> Bearded Iris does uh 16-ounce cans. Uh, of beer and four, sell them in four packs and I believe it's about 16 bucks for a four pack so it's not cheap it's about four bucks a beer but they're they, making some of the best IPAs yeah, in, do they in the southeast right now no but I, word on the street is they're coming to Atlanta soon they're going to start distributing nice. I think they distribute down to, in parts of Tennessee but that's it okay. so so just locally for them hopefully we'll get them soon nice hazy kind of got that orange juice sort of look to it Looks that's good, a man. beautiful color orange and uh, so we will be drinking this Bearded Iris Scatterbrain IPA, and we will uh, give you our full beer tasting notes at the end of the podcast. For now, though, man, that's delicious. Fruity, hazy. It's got that... Oh, man. It's got a nice natural sweetness to it. Half of my uh, beer descriptions include, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have like a, a word for it sometimes. Because we're drinking good just, beers here, homie. I'm just thinking about it. It's delicious. Okay. So let's get into investment property talk. What are investment properties, Matt? Yeah. When you hear investment properties, the, I mean, the way we're going to talk about it today, there's kind of two types. You've got your flip. So you, an investment property can be something you, you purchase and that you plan to sell pretty much right away for a profit. Or you can be coming at it from a long-term buy and hold sort of option and you buy it and hold it and you know rent it out whether it be commercial you know you can buy and hold with commercial real estate where you're renting out to businesses or single family homes or multifamily homes where you're you know renting out to families so and that's what we're going to be focusing on today is the buy and hold 
Yeah. And just a, a quick note to people, we will, Matt and I each own a few investment properties. We'll get into the specifics in a minute. Uh, we also, this podcast will be a little bit more of a forest conversation and uh, eventual later podcasts, we will get down into the, some of the trees on how to potentially screen a tenant, um, other decisions you need to make with your rental property about repairs, uh, how you choose where to buy. But for now, we're kind of going to kind of look at the forest and get an overview of what you should be thinking about if you're interested in rental properties and why you should be interested in potentially pursuing a rental property in your portfolio. That's kind of our general approach to, to what we're going to be talking about investment properties. And then, so us personally, yeah, man, how'd you get started uh, with, with rental properties in, in particular? Yeah. So I bought my first house in 2009 and... I got it for a just ridiculously cheap amount of money. As did, as did I. Yes. 2009. It was a good year, man. 2009 <laughs> was the right time to buy a house. So actually, uh, I think we both bought at the same time when there was an $8,000 tax credit. That, that you didn't have to pay back, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was one before that uh, that was like, I think, $7,500 that had to be paid back. But this $8,000 tax credit for a, uh, a short period of time, I don't know how long it was in effect for, six, six months to a year was you didn't have to pay it back. And so that was like the perfect time, the perfect impetus yeah. to buy a house. Yeah, the iron was hot. And, and the, the prices were low. And so I, I think it was up to 10% of your purchase price. So really, if you could get in that 80000 to, you know, right in that $80,000 price range, you're, you're maximizing your, the government's paying for 10% of your home. And so I bought a home in 2009 and paid $89,000 for it. Uh, the federal government paid $8,000 of that. So it was really more like an $81,000 purchase. I lived in it for a couple of years and I had a roommate for a little bit and then um, kicked him out because I got married. And so just decided after a while, it just made a lot of sense to buy another house and rents were going up. And I, I was like, oh man, it makes so much sense to to get in on this rental action. Right. And you were charging that friend, right? Like you, you, yeah. you had a roommate. And so that was sort of like your first tenant essentially was in your own house living with you. Yeah. And, and considering how cheap I was looking at how much I was paying in rent every month and compared to what rents are now, it obviously wasn't too bad, but it was still like $700 a month. And I just couldn't, fa I, I knew that my, I think my new mortgage was like $750 a month. And then I could get someone, a roommate to pay more than half of that. So it just made sense. I was like, oh man, I can start saving a lot more money if I buy this house and I have a roommate in here. And then that compounds on itself when you think of the idea of actually buying another house and renting that out yeah. and how much more you can save, which then compounds and you can buy more rental houses. Exactly. Right. And a lot of folks call that house house hacking, right? Where, where you kind of buy a property thinking that like, okay, I'm going to live here, but you know, I've got three other rooms that I'm not using. If I can get three other roommates in there, they're going to pay for my mortgage. Right. Right. And it's not like you're ripping people off. It's just you're providing a great place for people to live while at the same time, you, you know, obviously you had to pay up front and put the, the down payment on the home and, and everything else that comes with owning the property yourself. But. Well, and there's a lot of people that want a temporary place to stay. Yeah, absolutely. That want, you know, he, my, my roommate at the time was month to month and he was oh, I didn't know that. totally cool with that. He, nice. he just wanted a place to stay for three to six months and was more than happy to pay. Yeah, he didn't know how long he'd be able to handle you for... Uh, <laughs> right. It's like, I don't want to commit to a <laughs> whole year just here. just do month to month, please? Yeah. yeah. But just like we talked about with potential Airbnbs uh, on last episode, you know, you can make a lot of money on Airbnbs. You're not ripping people off. People want a place to stay for a night. 
and you've got you're taking on a lot of a lot of risk but there's yeah, also absolutely. a lot of potential reward yeah, and totally. it's the same with uh investment properties that you rent out on an annual basis there's a lot of risk and reward but the reward can be can be quite nice yeah man absolutely so seeing you kind of think through all that back then around the time that you guys were considering so you and emily when y'all were considering getting your second house is when we started having these conversations this is way before poor not poor a uh, long time ago uh but that's honestly that was a huge sort of kickstarter for for us to kind of start thinking that as well we, we we've got some good friends of ours that live up in Asheville, and that was my first i guess awakening towards investment property like i didn't grow up in a family where that was a thing where investment oh yeah everybody's got investment properties it was very foreign to me but seeing my friend clark his first home that he purchased was a triplex and so literally i mean they, they moved in and within the first month they had two other renters or well they took over they're already they're already there and so they actually just main, maintained the lease that they already had and they were able to have income gener- generated by this property that they had now owned and lived in right off the bat. And so I helped them a lot. I mean, I helped them move into the house and kind of got to see that firsthand. So those seeds were planted then. But then honestly, I thought, man, if Joel can do this, <laughs> he's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, if, if he can do this, I need to start, I need to start thinking down the, you know, thinking down this, down this path. But like, honestly, it just had to do with us talking about it. Yeah. Right. And so I'm, that's what I'm hoping too, that listeners that are listening to this episode can at the end of this conversation, they'll think, man, it's really not that complicated. It's not as nearly as scary as maybe I thought in my mind. Let's just start thinking more about yeah. this. this. This should be an avenue that we should consider. I, I feel like the first thing that people say usually is they think about the worst case scenario with tenants or, but, but in what, what else in life do you really consider the worst case scenario first? There's a lot of great case scenarios and sure, there's a lot of potential pitfalls and there's a lot of things that, I mean, I think we could from from our like seven years as being landlord seven or eight years there's there's some things that we can tell you that you need to avoid that you need to consider but ultimately if you do a thorough job screening and you're smart and you have a house that's in good condition that you would want to live in and that's always my standard yeah what i want to live in the house if i wouldn't want to live in the house then i'm not considering it time for some upgrades yeah (laughs) so yeah so where, where are you then today with uh with real estate. So we have three rental homes and we also rent out the back part of our home and they're all single family homes. At one point you mentioned triplex. At one point we looked at a triplex and we put in an offer, but, but we didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there have been a couple multifamilies we've been interested in, but just haven't, haven't quite gotten them yet. And we put in offers, but just haven't gotten them. But that is something we'd be interested at some point yeah. in time. You and I are cut from the same cloth, man. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> same here. We, I mean, yeah. Like you, we've got three as well, which is it's just funny how how similar we are. Hopefully, we'll kind of continue to be able to expand that portfolio too. So what is your kind of ultimate goal? Like, why do you do this? Yeah, that's a great question. Because, And I think anybody that's looking to go into having rental properties needs to think through why they're doing it. Because yeah, the, the why behind it. Right? Sure. Yeah. And I mean, for me, it's all about financial independence at some point. And having another stream of income, having another way to make money. And I think there's a lot of value in real estate being one of those pillars of how you make money. And so, yeah, ultimately, rental properties are a great retirement asset to have as well because they can provide income every month. Uh, Most people these days don't have pensions. 
just have 401ks, yeah. <laughs> maybe a little bit of social security. You're not sure how much you're going to get there either. So it's one of those things that it's perfect in the now to provide some extra income. Every the cash flow. Yeah. And then on, on top of that, it's uh, it's something for the future as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's exactly for us. Again, like I mentioned earlier, being self-employed, our income is varies greatly for, <laughs> depending on the season, right? So there's high season and then there's low season. And so for us to kind of be able to stabilize our, our variable income sum is always uh, <laughs> is always welcomed. And our, our family feels a little less stressed when we know that we've, you know, we've got rent kind of coming in. Obviously, we've got mortgages, but still knowing that some of that we're going to be able to put towards our, our expenses uh, and cost of living, living for ourselves. Um, but also, too, man, another reason why, like the more the bigger picture reason why why we love it, the investment properties as well, is that we're able to buy into what we love, which is the city. Like yeah. Like being, you know, invested in the city, both emotionally, but also obviously financially as well. Like we believe in, in, in our city, we, we love it. And to kind of be able to, to kind of be able to back that in a, in a way that's really, really tangible is great, I think as well. Yeah. And so the last house that I bought, it's, it's, it's uncanny how weird, uh, Matt and I's lives are linked. <laughs> we, the last rental homes we bought were literally. We, it's been, it was, yeah, we, we've been destined to, to to do this. It was our first foray into another neighborhood, and we'll get into the reason location is really important when picking a rental property in just a minute. But it was our first foray into another neighborhood. It's about ten minutes away from where we currently live, and and all our other rental properties are kind of right by almost exactly where we live. Yeah. And we we ended up buying houses that were two doors down from each other. But it's it's because we love that neighborhood over there so, so much. It's wishful, too. wishful thinking, that's why. <laughs> yeah, but we love. You know what made has drawn me to that neighborhood for so long? No, it's awesome, man. I have always I've told Emily this for years and years. When I retire, I want to live next to a disc golf course. And actually, maybe before that, I just want to someday live next to a disc golf course. Be able I, to I, walk out the door. And yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> and so the only disc golf course, basically in in-town Atlanta, is right there where this rental property is. Yeah. So I wanted to have that. I wanted to have that place near that disc golf course. I love that park. It's just, it's so awesome. The numbers worked too, which was nice. Mm -hmm. uh, if the numbers didn't work, I wouldn't buy it. But it would kind of have all that line up together. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's Nirvana, right? Like yeah. a, a location you already believe in that you love, obviously in the city that we love. But then also to have kind of like these sweet trappings of, man, someday I could be over here and walk straight out onto a whole one of, of the disc golf course. Well, I knew, at least in the meantime, anytime I've got to go over there and repair something, I was like, sweet. <laughs> You're going to throw your discs in the trunk and I just, can go throw four or yeah, five holes at least. May as well. It's like, Emily, I'll see you at two. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of, it was kind of perfect. Perfect for me in that regard. Yeah. Joel, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with, uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000. 25 and one. That's right. Yeah. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 
25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. <laughs> Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step -step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust & Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust & Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. I got my first life insurance policy almost a decade ago. And hey, I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there, you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah. And even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. 
With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. So Matt, let's talk about how we manage our properties. There's yes, more of the particulars. Yeah, it's interesting because the guy that I bought this last house from had 50 plus properties. Jeez. And he told me at the time that he sold me this property, he said the, the biggest piece of advice I can give you is to get a management company, which is interesting because I totally disagree with him. And I manage all my properties myself. And for the time being, I think until I probably get to double digits, I plan on managing all my properties myself. Yeah. And we both do that. And why do you think that's important? And wh- yeah, well, why I mean, do you I can, continue to do that? Yeah, I can see somebody that has 50 <laughs> properties. Why, sure. you know, why you'd want to do that. But yeah, so that's that's one one way you can approach it, right? Is, is pay a management company. And and I, I would even suggest that though too for folks that know that they want to get into investment properties but don't want to deal with the headache. Because when I talk to people about investment properties, that's one of the first things they talk about, right? Is Oh, I don't want to. I just don't want to get the phone call in the middle of the night saying there's a leak and try to have to figure that out. It's like, well, you don't have to get that phone call. The management company can if you don't want to. Don't want to deal with that. But in your, you've you've been a landlord now for six and a half years, oh, yeah, something yeah. like that. How many of those have you gotten? That's my thing. That's yeah. what I want to tell those people. It's overblown. That's true. Don't worry about yeah. it. It almost never happens. But and, I guess what I'm saying though is that if that is the barrier, don't let that be a barrier because. Management, you know, they, they take some off the top, but it's not a, it's not a, it's not a big deal. Management companies will usually take approximately 10%. Some might take seven, some might take 12. Yeah, it varies be, right about 10%. It's going to be somewhere in that range. A lot and, of them take, will take the first month's rent too, just to kind of get it up and running. Yeah. Like that initial. So you're, you're, you're talking about a big outlay there and yeah. the numbers have to be a lot better on a property. If you're going to use a management company, if you're planning on self-managing, you have a little more leeway in what you're going to purchase. The thing is, for most management companies, they're collecting the rent and they're answering those phone calls. But here's the thing. You're st- you're still paying the plumber or the electrician or whoever it may be out of your pocket. They're calling the dude, but it's not like they're getting a cheaper... Like, you can shop around. Mm-hmm. You don't know that the management company is going to shop around for you. Yeah, that's true. So there's And they'll put on a certain face for you, the property owner. But man, how are they actually treating tenants as well? I mean, I know I had horror stories of management companies in college trying to get them to respond to stuff in our apartment, or, right? Or even just trying to get trying to get the place to to begin with. Like you'd have to show up at a certain time on a certain day and like wait outside <laughs> in in the cold, literally. To I remember to to get a place uh, where we wanted to live, me and my roommates. And in my mind, the biggest reason not to use a management company is you're probably not going to be charging market rent. The that that was the biggest thing I got when this when this guy this investor guy that had fifty plus homes and I and he sold this one home to me he's kind of starting to eliminate some of his portfolio sell off some of his houses and when he said get a get a management company I looked at the lease that he had because there was a tenant in there currently I looked at what he was charging and I said that's not anywhere close to market rent really yeah I and there's a lot of waste then is what you're saying there's right? a lot of waste yeah. there's there's a lot of waste and so I want to keep an eye on those things I want to make sure I know my properties. I want to make sure I'm there. Uh, that's why, and we can get into this in just a second. That's why location is so important. I, I personally want the homes to be really close by me and I don't want a management pr- uh, company because I want to be over there from yeah. time to time. I want to mow the lawn every once in a while or 
whatever it may be, I want to see them. Yeah. Be present. Say, see how things are going, kind of get to know them and, and what's going on in their life. Yeah. That's, so that's no, definitely our approach, right? I mean, you and I both definitely managed our properties ourselves. And so kind of moving on then, I guess, to some rules of thumb, what, you know, if you're considering a, a property is if you're going to do that, if you're going to self-manage, it's important to make sure that you kind of have the capacity to do that yourself. If yeah. you, if you know that you want to kind of self-manage and this is something you want to kind of, that you want to start doing, make sure that you have obviously the financial capacity, right? Like you, you know, you have to put a chunk, you know, 20, typically with investment properties these days, it's 25% if you're wanting a competitive rate and you need to make sure that you've got the mental capacity just to think about it. And if when you do get a text or an email or a phone call that says, Hey, this is busted. Like, like I did a few weeks ago yeah. over the, over the holidays, you need to make sure that that doesn't stress you out and, and that you don't have any margin in your life to where one small thing is just going to wreck everything. Right. Because there's, there's going to be little small things that kind of that crop up here and there a decent bit. So that's something to, I think to, to consider, make yes. sure you've got the capacity for that. And it, and it might be best for you to have a partner where you guys mm-hmm. are both excel at different parts of this. Someone brings the money, someone brings the sweat, the sweat equity to it. You, yeah, you want to make sure that you've got that capacity. And one thing that goes along with capacity in my mind is location. So how close are these rental homes to you? Every mile that you have to drive further to your rental home to go check on something it might be a minor issue. That's the, that's the crazy things. I, you know, sometimes someone will call you about, you know, the stove's not working and guess what? It was just a flip breaker. And if you had to drive 12 miles to go figure that out versus a mile and a half, every mile past that is just, it's more infuriating to drive. And so, yeah, well, we, we hate driving. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, t- yeah, obviously when, when you're in Atlanta, every mile is like, you know, you can do the math. It's like episode, six minutes. <laughs> listen to episode one. You'll know we hate driving. Yeah. So, um, I think it's really important for us and it's something that you at least need to think through. Hey, am I cool driving this far for stuff like that? Or how, how am I actually going to run this in actuality? And at least for us, it's really important to have them close by. And even this, our, our new rental homes that are you know, 10, 12 minutes away, not two minutes away. I see it in myself. I'm like, oh, it's just a little more annoying to go over there than it is to the other ones. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. So if someone's considering getting an investment property, like, what do you think, like, what are like the, the, the terms of the loan that, that folks should be looking at? Well, I think the first thing first is you have to have, like you just mentioned, a bunch of money saved down. And so if you don't have 25% down uh, for a rental property... Yeah, I mentioned that a second ago. Is that kind of standard now, 25%? That's pretty for standard. Investment pro- okay. That's pretty standard. And most on- mortgage companies are requiring 25% down yeah. instead of like the standard 20% or even obviously less but that some folks are doing. Right. But then they're getting hit with Which BMI. You and I would, I, I don't think, ever recommend no, getting no. any loan uh, for a home if you don't have at least 20% to put down. Yeah, at and least. so, and, and on a rental property, 25 So you'll also need to factor in potential closing costs, potential repairs to the home, and uh, you, you just want to be prepared. You can't bank on the tenant, uh, you know, hopefully in a perfect world, everything works out and tenants paying gangbusters for all 12 months of your loan term. But you, you, you'll need to be financially prepared. It, you need to have, you have some financial margin in your life for sure. A yeah. Emergency fund set aside, even specifically for that house, not just for yourself personally, but I mean, look at it as, as a business because it is. You need to have a, a reserve 
and that'll help you weather the storms. Yeah. And obviously you want to shop around for that loan. You'll want to shop locally with uh, at least three mortgage providers to try to find the best terms, the best, the best rate. Yeah. So make sure you shop on that because there's a lot of people that talk to one person and like, all right, let's do it. (laughs) You're talking about thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars over the life of the loan if you don't shop around and that's a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of times if they do just hit one, check with one lender, it's always two as well. It's always just like a big bank. It's just one of these big lenders and they're not really getting a competitive. There's going to be extra costs kind of thrown in there and and everything's going to be a little more expensive. Yeah. And the big banks, the big banks are the absolute worst. They charge the higher rates. Yeah. So you'll want to check, you know, local is better. I would say that some of the online banks are great for refinancing, but you might have issues. And I can actually... Yeah, personal experience for you, right? Personal experience for me, actually. That an personal online, issues when it comes to a new purchase is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, an online bank did not come through for me. And so I had to quickly, last minute, try to turn to uh, a lender um, that was close by. And so I would, I would recommend going with someone that you can actually know and talk to and that lives in your vicinity uh, and, and shop with a few few of those potential loan officers in your area. Yeah. So do you want to talk about ROI and the 1% rule and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I think the easiest way to break it down to, hey, is this is this house a deal? In, yeah. In like my how mind, do I know whether or not I should buy this house or not? Yeah. Yep. So before you even get into loan terms, I guess that's the first thing you actually yeah, have to assess. Talked about that first. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's how we do things around here. That's right. And so the 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 easiest way for me to think about it in my mind and to explain it to other people is think about the 1% rule. Can you get 1% of the cost of the house back in monthly rents? So let's say for simple math, you are buying a $100,000 house. Will your monthly rents be equivalent to $1,000 a month? And if they are, then it it's a great purchase. And if they're not, you have to think about that really, you know, really long and hard. Cause if it's close and you think, you know, by next year, maybe you'll be there, you know, maybe, but if you're, if your monthly rent's going to be $600 on a hundred thousand dollar house, it's probably not a good purchase. Yeah. Or there better be a really good reason why that house is <laughs> either really special or that you foresee rents going up immediately. There, yeah, there, there should be something else going on. Yeah. But I think there's too many a people. great rule of thumb though, the 1% rule. Yeah, I think there's way too many people that get into the real estate investing game. And instead of asking themselves the 1% rule, they ask themselves the question of, will the monthly rents cover my mortgage? And that's a terrible question to ask. Yeah. And, th- and there's a, just a lot of landlords that I've met over the years that say, well, the you know what? The rents are covering my mortgage. I'm golden. And they're and, only looking at the equity, I guess, in the home. Yeah. Because otherwise, why go through all that if you're getting nothing. Right. And in my mind, yeah, it's, I'm not banking on purely just the 30 year payoff. Right. And then I've got this, this house on my my hands. It's worth something. You know, I want to be able to not be already, you know, you might be a little, you know, miffed if you get that text at 3am or whatever from your tenant. I want to at least know in the back of my mind, I'm making money every month. So it's okay. (laughs) I'm happy to respond to this because you know what, this is actually making me money and this is a good thing for me. And if it was only covering the mortgage amount, I wouldn't feel that way. And then all of our uh, all of our properties are single family. Yep. Yeah. So what do you what do you think about that? What do you recommend to people? Should they start single family? Go directly into uh, multifamily. <laughs> I mean, if you, it just, I think it maybe comes down to personality. If you know that you're going to get into this and this is something you really want to pursue and something that you're 
interested in making, say even full time, and you want to look at it like a an eight unit property, sure, go for it. But if you're gonna if you're looking at managing that yourself, just know that you're going from you know, zero to eighty miles per hour, <laughs> like right off of the bat. Yeah. So I'm trying to think if, if we would have been prepared. So say instead of getting a single family, if we would have our first investment property would have been say even a duplex or a triplex. And I think there, I mean, there would, there would have been a more, a, a greater learning curve, right. As, as compared to just slowly kind of being able to being able to learn things over the years. And that's just our approach, which we prefer doing is just kind of learning things ourselves, kind of na- t- nice, smooth, slow sailing. <laughs> yeah. We're kind of in the, in the slow rental building game, I, you and I, yeah, I'd say I'm in no rush. We're in every, we're, we're buying a house every couple of years. So we're not, yeah. uh, we're not gangbusters full speed ahead. What I tell a lot of young people when uh, they talk about wanting to buy a house, uh, potential to, you know, how, how do I save up money to buy this house? And, and you know, how, how it's getting so much more difficult to afford housing in my area. I encourage them to consider buying a duplex. I think if you're young and starting out, that's actually a really smart way to be able to get a house and to cover cover you, some expenses. You can usually yeah. cover three quarters of your mortgage uh, if you have a duplex by running out the other side, and then you're kind of getting into the game. And then eventually, let's say you know you save up your money and you go buy your own single family house. And you run out both sides of the duplex. It, it's kind of a great way to get into it. Uh, obviously, that that wasn't the path that I took, but. I see that as just a really smart way to get in there, to get started, to get in the game. As a, as an aside, that actually makes me think of the uh, our uh, Airbnb episode that you know that we did recently. I feel like we're further, cl- we're closer to doing it than not. Like last time, I said I was like, ah, I think we're like fifty fifty. Yeah. I mean, you, so you're saying duplex, and so the, it made me think of oh, or a basement duplex or a basement apartment. <laughs> basement yeah. apartment. Yeah. Man, I feel like we're we're like close to pulling the trigger on this. I feel like we're like ninety five percent of the of the way agreed that we're going to do it. So my Airstream passion convinced you. Oh man, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it, it took us one night sitting down and talking into microphones and trying to convince each other that we should do this to where the next day I was like, man, we, I really should do this. Let's do it. All right, we'll, uh, we'll keep updating everybody. And yeah, no, no new news yet, but I just thought I'd tell you that. And I'm about to take a road trip and look at that Airstream that I mentioned to you. So uh, yeah. I, it sounds like we're both kind of getting really close. We're getting each other. Yeah. We're firing each other up. To Potentially <laughs> making a plunge. And pissing off our lives <laughs> at the same time. So, so what else do you think folks need to consider then? Just you know, broadly, if to when they're considering an investment property. Yeah. So, quickly, when we're just talking about a duplex and and maybe you know, a young person buying a duplex instead of a single family home, uh, one other benefit to that, I think, and if you are want to start out small, kind of like kind of like we did, I do think it's really wise to live in your first home before you rent it out. So instead of, and it's, there's a couple benefits to this. First, we just talked about how much money you have to put down. You can put down a lot less money to live for a house that you're going to live in. You can put down less than 20% too, which I wouldn't recommend, but you can. Yeah. So my first home, put down 20%, lived in it for, for two years, then rented it out. And I kind of been trying to follow that cycle, living in that home, next home for two years and then moved and rented that one out. And so I think there's something, there's a few good things. You kind of get to know the home, you know, the area, you know, the quirks, you, mm-hmm. you know, the neighbors. There's just, there are a lot of benefits to doing it that way. Not to mention the fact that you're going to get a lower interest rate. You have to put less money down. Um, there's just a lot of benefits to living in a place before you actually end up renting it out. 
So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hey, folks, it's Matt. I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid kombucha every day, and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. So what exactly is Health Aid kombucha? Well, it is a fermented, bubbly probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice, and it's super thirst-quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy, and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon, I'll have some. It's super easy, and it's affordable, too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. No matter how hard of a worker you are, you probably like to kick back, relax, and just chill every now and then. But if you're an investor, that's the last thing you want your money to be doing. You want it to be out there working hard and kicking butt. That's exactly what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help it do. Betterment's automated technology gives you advanced tools that are built to help maximize returns. We're talking tools like diversified, expert-built portfolios of low-cost ETFs. Keeping those expense ratios low is key to seeing your investments compound over the years and decades. A high-yield cash account where your money can earn 11 times the national average. Listeners know that they need to have an emergency fund set aside for those completely unforeseen expenses... A high-yield cash account is the perfect place to park that money in automated investing technology like automated rebalancing. That way, if certain industries are, say, growing like crazy, your portfolio, it stays on track. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. So, Matt, what about general handiness? You're handier than I am. How handy do I need to be if I'm going to own a rental home? I mean, you either need to be handy with like a tool or with a cell phone. Because <laughs> I feel like you're handy when it comes to finding somebody to fix something for you. Right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm Are you handy. talking about me? Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm handy because I enjoy it. I like learning. Oh, man. Especially when it's something that I know I'm going to have to do in my own home or, or another property soon. 
I'm like, well, if I can learn how to do this myself and I know that it's not going to take that long, that's a skill, A, that I, I get to learn and, you know, I've bettered myself in that sense. And B, it, it saves me money times however many times I have to do it. So that's one of the ways I approach it. I really enjoy learning and how to do things that might be a little more considered handyman work, but those are things that I enjoy, enjoy myself. But do you have to be able to do those things yourself? No, I just ask around and ask your friends, shoot a text or like a you know Facebook post, be like, Hey, does anybody have a HVAC guy? Because my AC just went out. If you have friends or anybody that kind of knows you, they'll be like, Oh yeah, check out so-and-so. Yeah. Get a few quotes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't go with the first person that comments on your wall. Cause that pro- that person's probably maybe doesn't have the best recommendation. <laughs> yeah. You'll definitely want to get checking a few. Yeah. I think uh, on questions of whether you need to be handy or not, I am not handy, but I have learned to do a few things. Yeah, and you like to learn as well. Yeah. You know? So I've replaced a toilet. Uh, I've fixed a water heater, replaced a thermistor, I believe is what it was called. What? Thermocoupler, something like that. No, it was like thermocoupler or something like that. Uh, it's like a, is a copper piece that, that... The thing that heats up that tells yeah. the furnace to keep going. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So, and and you, YouTube videos, by the way, are invaluable. Oh my gosh. Yeah. In the age of YouTube, you, you have yes. very little excuse not to at least attempt fixing something on your own. I've fixed an air conditioner by replacing my air conditioner stopped working and it was the... Oh, condenser? No, not the condenser. It was the capacitor. Capacitor. It was yeah. the capacitor. It's always the capacitor. And so you can tell because <laughs> it gets domed. The and mm-hmm. so there's all these things. You know, YouTube will teach you so much. Yeah. If you want to fix something, just Google. Yeah. Just search it on YouTube and just watch three videos, and you're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> I would say this: the minimum requirement for handiness, you need to be able to paint, and you need to oh, be yeah. able to paint your own home. You know, and and so or, I, the interior specifically. Yes, the yeah. interior specifically. If you can't or are unwilling to do that, if you're going to hire basic things like that out, and eventually, if you have enough homes, you can do that. But when you're starting out, you need to be able to at least put in some of the sweat equity to do some of the basic things. Cleaning, cleaning. And you need to be able to fill holes and throw, get a new coat of paint up for sure. Because yep. that's that's pretty important when it comes to... If you're unwilling to do that, I would say rental. I would say rental properties just probably aren't for you. Yeah. There's there's definitely a degree of kind of DIYness that, that goes along with having investment properties. Obviously, the way you know the way that we approach it, for certainly. Yeah. So handiness, yes, it's a plus. No, you don't need to be bringing Captain DIY, you know, Mister Sunday. But you know, if you can mow a lawn and and paint mm-hmm. and uh, and do some cleaning, then I think you're well on your way. And you, you know what? If you're curious and like to watch some YouTube videos and figure some stuff out, this this is the perfect place to experiment mm-hmm. and try to fix things yourself. Yeah. And, and you know what? I will tell you what. As a guy that's not very handy, truly, in all honesty, I'm I'm really not very handy to actually fix something like that yourself when you know your limitations is super exciting. It's really fun to be able to, you know what? I just did that. Holy yeah. crap. I didn't think I could do it and I did it. Yeah. It's, it's fun fixing, fixing something physical, right? And in, in the world, in an age where we, so much of our work revolves around bits of data that, <laughs> you know, on the computer to be able to do something with your hands. I, I also very much love that, man. It's, yeah. You just feel so good. So something else I wanted to talk about too, screening tenants, I think is one of the things that turns a lot of people off when it comes to, because they, they think, oh man, what if I get somebody, a terrible renter or somebody in there that's a criminal or something like that? There are so many tools today. It's, it's not like it yeah. was even 10 years ago. Specifically, we use a, a site called mysmartmove.com, 
which takes out so much of the stress when it comes to getting a new tenant, right? So it's a site run by TransUnion, and all you have to do is just create an account, and yeah. then you send your you know potential tenant, you punch in their email and send them uh, the form to to basically fill out. That reports back with their credit report, with like any like a criminal record or any past uh, evictions, anything like that. And so like there's no guesswork anymore. Yeah. Like obviously you know you meet with them, and you get to know them, and make sure they're it seems like they're going to be a, a good tenant. But beyond that. Call prior landlords. Oh too. gosh, yeah, that's the number yeah. one number one thing. Call call previous landlords. Make sure they've always paid. And that's free. early or on time. Yeah, that's free. You get you know obviously you have an application. You get them to fill it out. Write down that information. You talk to their previously previous three landlords. Yes, and and their employer too. Make sure they're employed. Yeah, and uh, that's that's huge. But the, but the TransUnion My Smart Move service is excellent it's too. Just like the the bow on top, just to know that like all right, man, these guys are they they said they're awesome. Their landlords, landlords have you know said they're awesome, and then boom, their credit's great, and they're not a criminal. <laughs> and, and I will say, uh, you can make it takes a lot of stress out of it. You can make decisions based on if their credit's bad. I have rented to people with bad credit based on other things, other references, income, proof of income, uh, and when you do that, I suggest taking a larger security deposit. So if someone's oh, got yeah. bad credit but good income, you take a larger security deposit. And that's kind of your your hedge against yeah, taking someone. Kind of meet in the middle. You don't want to yeah. if they still have a great place to rent, and you want to be able to provide provide that to them as well. All right. So one other thing you want to make sure of when you're looking at buying a rental property, you want to buy in a place that people actually want to live. So when you list your rental property, you don't want to get people trickling in one every you know one person that's interested every couple of weeks. You you want a steady stream of people that are interested in living in yeah, your place. You want to op- yeah, open the floodgates. A tip, uh, my buddy Clark, I was telling you about up in Asheville. Yeah, one of the things he told me was to make sure that uh, you go buy that the house you're considering, that property. Go buy there at night and sit there, just to like just see what's going on. You know, he's like, there's a lot of things that you won't notice when you're there in the day, but just go there at night, just kind of hang, you know, roll down the window, see, what, listen to what you hear, like smell, like there, you know, what if there's some plant next next door or, or something close by. There's all these sort of things that you don't really, you definitely can't see in pictures online. Maybe a train tracks and the train runs at night. Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's just a lot of things like that that you're not going to know un- unless you're, you're there in person. So if you're thinking about becoming a landlord, I mean, there's a lot of due diligence involved. You, you got to run the numbers. You know, you got to make sure it hits the 1% rule or it's close and you got some reasons why you're going to buy it. You got to make sure there's enough people that want to rent it and that it's going to be something that fits into your life. But if it does owning rental properties is a boon for you and hopefully in the short term and in the long term. I know it's been great for me over the last eight and a half years. It's been a, a incredibly worthwhile pursuit and it's definitely helping me on my path to financial independence. Yeah. There's a lot of other resources out there as well. I mean, there's a lot that we're not covering, right? I mean, there's a lot. Sure. So, so there's a ton of ways that you make money from real estate. Obviously, the biggest way is the monthly cash flow, but you're also you're building up equity, right? So every month when that mortgage gets paid, that equity is getting paid down. And you know, that's, that's equity that you, that you get to have. And then, so you got cash flow, your monthly rents, you got your equity, and then you've got your, the tax benefits. Yeah. We didn't even get into the tax. Yeah, we, really. that's, yeah. that's a whole nother sort of, it's a whole branch that we're, we didn't even discuss. Sure. And so, yeah, the, the benefits owning, uh, Rental properties are myriad. There are so many. If you are really, really interested, like we said at the beginning of this episode, this is a uh, forest episode. We're getting you know the overview. And if you really want to get down in the weeds, 
we'll in the show notes at poornotpoor.com we'll get uh, we'll link off to some of the great resources that we know of online uh, specifically i would recommend checking out this website biggerpockets.com and there's all sorts of information you can get as down into the weeds as you want on potentially on owning rental properties any questions you may have they've answered on that website yeah. so i would recommend checking that out yeah and i'd recommend if you want to go more of the old fashioned book route the Millionaire Real Estate Investor by by Gary Keller. And this is like uh, like Keller Williams. Keller? Dude knows what's up. <laughs> yeah, a guy knows what's, what's going on. So this is one of the one of the books that I was pointed to early on. And it's not really... It reads like a textbook. But man, is it rich with information. Things you wouldn't have even considered, obviously, uh, are in there. And so, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of great resources out there that we recommend you check out. And if you've got more questions about rental properties and you want to reach out to Matt and I, we are available on Twitter. You can tweet us at not poor Matt and at not poor Joel. And we would love to talk to you, uh, message you back, and also maybe uh, use some of your questions on a future podcast as we delve further into real estate endeavors, real estate investing, because it's definitely one of Matt and I's favorite topics to discuss. Yeah, guys. So hopefully after listening to this today, you feel that investment properties aren't something that are sort of this sort of scary unknown thing. It's, I mean, it's, it's really not overly complicated and it's just a lot of folks aren't, aren't talking about it. Yeah. They're so much easier than I thought they were going to be. As long as you know what you're getting into ahead of time and how much work it's going to take and specifically how much work that house is going to take and how much return on investment you're getting. Mm -hmm. And you're okay with that mentally. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's a brilliant pursuit. Yeah, man. So Matt. Yeah, man. Back to the beer. <laughs> Let's get back to this beer, dude. What's your take on Bearded Iris Brewing Scatterbrain IPA? Well, first of all, my beer is all gone, so you're still <laughs> yeah, I still got a little bit left. You're still drinking yours. I like this so much, man. I'm a huge fan of all these new cloudy, hazy IPAs that kind of have this, the, like the hop profile is sort of like this sharp, has a sharp flavor to it, almost like it sounds weird to say, but almost like a like a blue cheese, where it. Uh, it's, it, it, it's real smooth and fresh tasting like the beer, but then the sort of the bitterness is sort of, it, I mean, that's the best way I can describe it. It just reminds me of, of like a, a blue cheese. I wonder if the listeners out there have watched the Netflix <laughs> documentary song. Yeah. I was wondering if you're going to say because if you watch that, you'll find like people describe these wines in the weirdest ways. It's about these, these dudes trying to become wine sommeliers and they just, it's fascinating how much they know. It's a rigorous process though. Right? It's one of the most fascinating documentaries I've ever seen. But you remind me of those people because you, the way the way you describe things is sometimes. Odd. I don't know if it's true what I say. I just say I just say what I smell or taste. So, <laughs> and that, that's an odd one. Not gonna lie, blue cheese. Blue cheese. I wasn't getting that. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that, but you did. You went there. It's a good beer, though. Yeah. Well, truly. So my thoughts on this beer is, I I love the New England IPA style as well. The hazy, um, juicy IPAs. You know, we've been lucky enough to have some of the ones from New England. And this is a decent shot Dude, at I'd it. I'd say it's up there. From down south. Yeah. In my mind, it's not quite as thick. Um, and it's... Doesn't have that thick mouthfeel coating yeah. that some of those up there have. And it's a little too sweet. But oh, you think so? I think it's a little too sweet. But I I, I mean, honestly, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. It's really, really it's, good beer. It's almost got like this sort of wheat profile to it. It, I, it reminds me of like a, like a Hefeweizen yeah. a little bit. Oh, totally. Yeah, I can you, totally you see why you're saying that. Yeah, yeah. I dig it. Um, so Which, it is a, yeah, and I love those. So. <laughs> it is a little sweet. It's a little passion fruity, and I think one of the things you're going to find. I'm. I'm I, I feel like I'm not being kind to this beer, but it's a really good beer. But I think the reason that is is because 
they're trying a style that the people who do it right, I mean, they're trying a very specific style, New England style IPAs. And there's only a few people that do that. And right. and that's a hard standard to live up to because the guys that are doing it well are crushing it. And you're trying to get into that down south. And they're doing a great job. They're one of the best I've had yeah, in the southeast. But um, I would abs- I would drink this all the time, though, if yeah. they were <laughs> if they were distributing it in Atlanta. Yeah, totally. Come on, guys. Send it down here. We'll drink it. We got to say, uh, give a thanks to my mom. Shout out to Cheryl. <laughs> thanks, Cheryl. Beer Mule. Appreciate it. Love you, mom. Yeah. So let's uh, recap quickly. Rental properties. Think about getting a rental property. If you desire financial independence, multiple streams of income are one of the best ways to get there. And uh, I think we talked about this recently, Matt. Uh, passive income is, is not a phrase that I love, but it, it is fitting in a lot of ways. And real estate is a great passive way of making income. Um, and so if you can uh, have a, a small amount of handiness to you and have the capacity to take it on and the capacity to understand what's going on in your local market. Yeah, and w- yeah you definitely need to have that willingness to learn, right? Because, I mean, if you're, if you're looking for a deal or if you're trying to find a, you know, a location that's, that's kind of up and coming, because you're not going to be able to find a deal unless you know, you know, you got to be one, hep- one step ahead of, of a lot of folks there. Yeah. So focus on a small segment of the market. Focus on right where you are locally. Be an expert in that specific area where you are looking oh, for man. homes. Gosh, there's so much we didn't talk about. Yeah, not, not only know a specific area, right? A geographic location, but know even the specific size home that you want. You want to know that, okay, I'm looking for a 3-2 in this neighborhood in this price range. And you know, if you get online and, and, and check the, the MLS listings every morning and just kind of see what's out there, like literally it takes 30 seconds. Yeah. Just, you, you click a few, get to know what's out there. And it might take, honestly, for you six months. Oh man, of yeah. Scouring Zillow or Redfin or whatever app it is, and just finding out what the flavor of the local market Dude, it, is. It took it took us over a year to find the house, the one two down from you guys. Yeah. You know, like I mean, I was looking for a year getting to know that entire you know neighborhood and that side of town before I felt like we had found a deal. Yeah, so and it's amazing. It takes a while. Where we purchased the north side of the park is so different than the south side, like mm-hmm. vastly different. I went to look at the ho- a house on the south side of the park that was like 60 grand. It's just it, a matter of two blocks. It, it, it was, yeah, and it, and it made all the difference. It made all the difference. And I was world. like, I wouldn't want to live here, but I'd want to live there. Yep. Become that location expert on exactly where you want to buy and stick to it, stick to what you know, and don't venture too far outside of that. There's a lot of real estate investing experts per se, that will, you know, kind of try to convince you to go big or go home. I say start small. There's only a certain amount that you can actually know really well. Mm-hmm. And, and, but know that well and, and then specialize in there. I completely agree. But you can do it. And there's a lot of ways to get started. Buy a duplex, buy a single family home, live in it, move out, whatever it is. There's, there's a lot of options. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Our home on the web is howtomoney.com. Be sure to check it out. We'll have our show notes up there for you. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this show. Until next time, buddy. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com.
Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.